Our scripture reading will be from Philippians chapter 1. We'll be reading verses 1 through 11. Again, that's Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Paul and Timothy, as the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making request with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he hath begun a good work in you, a good work, and you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think of this of you all, because I have, I have you in my heart, and as much as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and all judgment that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere without offense till the day of, of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. Certainly good to be here this morning. We appreciate your presence, especially if you're visiting with us. We're so thankful for you. And we want you to come back at every opportunity. Come be with us. And we, we always like to mention and I always like to say, if you have any questions about what we're doing, ask. We're happy to answer any questions. And if you ask a question about a, a form of worship or something that's taught in class or in the sermon, uh, ask about it. Make sure that Whoever's doing the teaching or the preaching is able to give you a book, chapter, and a verse for what we do and what we endeavor to do and the ways in which we do those things. And so, never take someone's word for anything. I like to say our souls are too important to simply take the word of someone else. We need to be able to be shown in the Bible why we do what we do. Have you ever forgotten anything? You know, I don't think it's the question, have you forgotten anything? It's how many things have I forgotten today? <clears throat> you know, it may, may be something inconsequential, or it may be something that's very important, uh, you know, that we may forget. Or, you know, there are things that we can think about. We can think about experiences that we've had, things that we've done, and, and, and we look forward after having done those things, and we may think that I'll never forget that. I will remember every single second of that thing that happened. It was, you know, either something that's terrible or something that's very good. And then as time moves forward, sometimes those memories that we think we'll never forget, those small minute details begin to fade with time. There had been a couple married for many, many years and they had reached that period in their lives where so many of us are right now including myself, where they began to forget things. And so what they determined they would do was they would write down what the other requested so as to not forget it. And that went on for a long time, and they were doing very well with that. And 
One day, the wife looked at the husband and said, Is there anything you'd like? And he said, Oh, yeah. He said, I want an ice cream sundae. I want it to be chocolate. I want whipped cream on it, and I want a cherry right on top. And so she got up, and she went toward the kitchen. He said, Wait a minute. Aren't you going to write that down? So you won't forget it? And she said, Don't be silly. She said, I'm going right now to make it. I'm not going to forget it. And so she was gone for some time, and and then when she came back, she had with her a large plate of hash browns, eggs, bacon, and a glass of orange juice. And he took one look at that, and he said, I knew you couldn't remember. You forgot the toast. You know, memory truly is a wonderful thing, isn't it? It truly is a wonderful thing. It, re- it allows us to recall moments in our lives that are so precious and wonderful to us. And there's going to come a time when we all have things or people in our lives when that's all that we have left is the memory of them. And I'm so thankful for that. We've got memories of loved ones who've impacted our lives, who've gone on into eternity, and we still relish those things. And we it allows us to remember the love and the joy and the excitement of things that happened when we were with them, and and it's just an amazing wonder. And, and memory is an amazing gift given to us by God. But He wants us to use that memory in the correct way. I've entitled the sermon this morning, The Blessing of Memories. The Blessing of Memories. But there are times when our memories can fail us, aren't there? There are times when we can't exactly remember everything we want to remember. It seems like that disease and age and years, they all begin to dilute our memories. And we all have memories of things in years gone by, and we look back on that, and I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I think, am I remembering that correctly? Did that happen exactly the way I think it happened, or has that kind of evolved over the years in some way? You know, in the passage read for us this morning, the Apostle Paul addressed the blessing of memories. He wrote to the Christians at Philippi, and and his memories rose to the surface as we read his letter. He was overcome with some of the wonderful things that was brought to his memory when considering those good people. And while he did it, He was being comforted with that because he was actually in prison. The year was about A.D. 62, and he was uh, set to testify and bear witness of God to those in Rome, just as God prophesied that he would, Acts 23, verse 11. But he wouldn't go and be a free man when he did it. He actually went in the bonds because he was a Christian, the bonds of Christ, Philippians 1, 12 through 13. And as he began to write this letter, and as he began to put his message in writing, we learn a lot from his memories. We learn a lot about his attitude toward remembering things and remembering the brethren. And I think that we can learn a whole lot on how we ought to remember our fellow laborers and and Christians in the gospel. I want us to be thankful for our memories, and we want to be thankful for our memories and the blessing of 
memories. And I want us to notice what Paul talked about. Paul talked about memories, and he began with, this is our first point, he began with the things of the past. Because memories, by their very nature, happened yesterday, right? Or earlier today, or whatever the case may be. And what Paul was talking about is summed up in the beginning of his letter. He addressed his letter to the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi. And this past memory that he was bringing to his recollection and pointing out to them was one of a common salvation. He called them brethren, written to the saints, those who had obeyed the gospel, the The Philippian letter, as with all of the other epistles, were written to Christians. Written to either individual Christians or to congregations of Christians. In verse 2, he called on the name of God our Father. In verse number 5, he reminded them of their fellowship in the gospel. And he called them brethren eight times. He's talking to fellow Christians. He's talking about the common salvation and he used those phrases to bring about that memory in them of the common salvation that's something we ought to think about isn't it we ought to be able to look around and say boy we have so much in common especially the common salvation that we enjoy with each other you know memories remind us of the past and we ought to think about our common past our experiences right notice what paul could remember as we read about him or we read about the letters or the situations in which he wrote, he remembered his own conversion, didn't he? Acts chapter 9, 1 through 9. I believe probably a great majority of us can remember the very day we obeyed the gospel. Many of us might even remember the exact date. He remembered the events which first led him to Philippi, Acts 16, 6 through 12. He remembered those who first obeyed the gospel as he went about establishing the church and preaching in Philippi. In Acts 16, 13 through 15, we read about his interaction with Lydia. He remembered that. We read about the demon-possessed girl, Acts 16, 16 through 18. We read about the jailer and his family, Acts 16, 19 through 32. He recalled the fellowship they shared with one another, verse 40 of Acts 16. And all those memories filled his heart with joy. Philippians 1, verse 3 of our passage. He's thinking about all these wonderful memories and it's coming back to him. And he's writing this letter and he's reminding them about all of these great things. You know, I don't know if there's there's a greater joy than one recalling a time when they helped a family member obey the gospel. A time when one helped just a friend of theirs obey the gospel. A time when they helped perhaps in the beginning a perfect stranger come to the understanding of what the gospel teaches and what Christ expects in helping them to understand that. I don't know if there's a greater joy than that. Where would we be today without those involved in our own conversions? Might we have obeyed the gospel later on if we had not known those people? Well, probably. 
Maybe not. So where would we be today? I think we can look around us today and enjoy this common salvation as we look back over our own past. But there are memories, or there are no memories, unless we make those memories, right? How are we going to be able to look back over time and memory and say, I have a certain family member and I helped them to obey the gospel, or I have a friend and I helped them obey the gospel, or a friend of a friend and I helped them to obey the gospel. We don't have memories unless we make memories. And Paul is talking about these wonderful memories that he makes. And God expects us to make memories and enjoy the blessing of memories. I think each of us ought to have comforting thoughts about helping lead someone to Christ in some way. How could Paul have had any of those memories had he not fulfilled the great commission that the Lord gave prior to his ascension back to heaven, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. But as we look at Paul's past and he's bringing up these wonderful memories of the common salvation, he also talked about the common service in which they labored. They, we, we share a common service as Christians, don't we? Paul reminded them of that and we, we ought to look on that fondly. He said this, Philippians 1 verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Paul was proud of being a servant. In fact, he called himself a servant in Philippians 1 verse 1. He was so happy to be co-laborers with them. Now this word from which we get our word servant literally means slave. One owned by another. That's what this word indicates. But that's exactly what the redeemed are, right? We are owned. Notice what Paul told those in Corinth. 1 Corinthians 6, beginning with verse 19. He said, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's, the saved are slaves of Jesus. He bought us. He redeemed us with a purchase price so great we can hardly imagine it. He purchased the church with His own blood, Acts 20, 28. Paul said that they were His true yoke fellow, Philippians 4, 3. Those who labored with Him in the gospel. He's talking about the Christians in Philippi. He's writing them a love letter, a a letter of commendation, a letter thanking them for the things that they've done. They were co-laborers. They stood shoulder to shoulder with Paul through difficult times, didn't they? They aided him in his work, and those were common memories of the past that they shared and a past that we can share in common memories with each other. We ought to always remember and honor those who have labored alongside us in the fight as we fight the good fight of faith. Think of the precious saints of God who've done that. They're no longer with us now. We can go back 70 years just with this congregation, can't we? And there are people that I never knew, I wish I had. And they labored and they helped establish and they've carried it on. And we're carrying it on in their stead. 
But without them, where would we be today? What about all those who worked with us, prayed for us, helped support us in some way? You know, we work with different works around the world and we have people who can can think on us and we receive similar letters from them, don't we? Thanking us for our support of them, whether financially or, or whatever the case may be. And that's a common labor that we enjoy. And isn't it nice to receive a letter like that? I think we can all recall and understand that we owe God everything. We need to recall that for sure, don't we? Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, James said. We need to remember those who've blessed our lives through prayer and effort and work and and encouragement. God wants us to have those blessings of memories, but we have to make them. Memories don't just happen out of the blue. They're recalled events that we appreciate. And He wants us to recall from time to time the people with whom we serve. And the people we serve. He wants us to think about them. But Paul didn't just have memories of the past. He continued to make memories even into the present of his writing this letter. And that's our second point. Paul remembered the uncommon love they shared. See, there's a, there's a common salvation. There's a common service as we look over the past. But when we notice the present There is an uncommon love that we share for one another, isn't there? He said this, Philippians 1.8, For God is my witness how greatly I long for you with the affection of Jesus Christ. He longed for all of them with an affection of Jesus Christ. Now what does that mean? We try to love like Jesus loved, don't we? They were very dear to Paul and, and they shared a love not found in the world. What does the world tell us? The world tells us to uh, be self-centered, right? They had a love that transcended all of that. We have a love that transcends that. It's that love that he talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 8. And that's the kind of a love that ought to characterize all of God's people, right? We ought to be able to call up those memories of, of having a great love for someone. We all know people in, in other states and maybe even around the world and we recall their the fondness that we have for them. I can recall people uh, that I met years ago in India and I still have a great fondness for them. I can recall those memories. Jesus told His apostles, John thirteen fifteen, For I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. When did he say that? What's the context of that statement? They had just finished the, the Passover feast. He had instituted the Lord's Supper. What had he done? He got up and he girded himself and he began to wash their nasty feet. Why? Because of his love. Because of those characteristics that Paul described in 1 Corinthians 13, 1-8. Those are the same characteristics that we ought to, ought to have and and. We ought to display that because He is our example. John reminded his readers, those who are saved love those who are saved. 1 John 2, 5 and 10. We better love each other. We better have a a great affection for our brethren, right? 
We ought to always be thankful for those who love us and for those we love. What would this world be like without that? The great love of God that we can have for one another. That's one of the great benefits of the Lord's church here on earth. We can love each other and we can depend on one another. You know, the world is is all about self-gratification and they cannot understand the love of God. It surpasses their understanding. Paul later in this same letter described how the love of God manifests itself. Philippians 4 verse 7, he said, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Based in the love of God. The world doesn't understand. It passes their understanding because the world's about self. The world's about what I want, what I need right now, or what I think I need. And God's love is about what we need. We ought to be able to look around as individuals and say, what does my neighbor need? What does my fellow Christian need? How can I demonstrate the love of God in someone's life and interest them in becoming a Christian? That's what God expects. The blessing of memories allowed Paul to contemplate this uncommon love of his present, but also of the uncommon labor that he shared. He told them this, Philippians 1 verse 9, In this I pray that your love may abound yet more, and more in knowledge and in all judgment. What happens when love abounds? Translates into a labor of love, doesn't it? What does the world say? Well, it's common to labor for someone and you really don't want to. Right? A lot of us have had situations where we've been employed and, you know, it's almost a burden to go into work. But, you know, we had to make a living. We didn't necessarily appreciate the, the company maybe for which we worked and maybe we didn't appreciate the treatment that we received, but we needed to make a living so we went in and was it, it wasn't a labor of love necessarily, was it? But see, we have an uncommon labor of love in which we are able to engage. Paul thought about those with whom he labored. He appreciated them. He loved them. He respected them. He reflected on the way they served him in some cases, right? Some of the things they did, the way he served them. In the things that God had done. They had prayed for him, hadn't they? Philippians 1 verse 9. That's so important. Brethren, let's pray for each other. They sent Epaphroditus to minister to him while he was in prison. Philippians 2, 25 through 30. And they gave sacrificially so he could do his missionary work in spreading the gospel. Philippians 4, 10 through 15. That same level of gratitude ought to fill the hearts of all Christians. Let's be thankful to those who pray for us so that our work can be successful. Let's send servants sometimes. We do that, don't we? We send servants around the world to fulfill mission work. Let's be thankful for them. They're thankful for us. And let's be thankful when someone supports us in the work of the church. We may have a work at some time. We don't have a work necessarily that, that we sponsor at the moment. 
we give to help other sponsored works. But there may come a time, and I'm sure that in the future, we may sponsor a work and we may receive help financially from other people to help with that work. You know, I, I appreciate those who serve here. I appreciate and love each of you. And we need to always understand the church is greater than any one person, isn't it? But the church cannot be great until each individual Christian is great and does the things that God wants. Paul remembered those who shared an uncommon love with him. He remembered those who shared an uncommon labor. And again, remember, there are no memories unless we make memories. We have to share an uncommon love in the present. We have to share an uncommon labor. But there's something very significant, I believe, that stuck out in my mind in this letter that Paul wrote. We read a lot of his other letters and we see that he rebuked them in a lot of ways. We, we open up 1 Corinthians and we begin to read and almost immediately he begins to rebuke them for their divisive behavior, the denominations that they had formed within that church, calling themselves after men instead of after Christ. But we don't read about that here in Philippians, do we? He talked about positive memories. That's our third point. Positive memories. After telling them that he wanted their uncommon love to abound, verse 9, he said this in verse 10, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. He wanted them to grow in every aspect of Christianity all the way up until the point that Christ returned to gather His faithful. Grow! And He did it with a positive affirmation to them. The whole letter was full of positive thoughts, wasn't it? The only negative that I can come up with, we get over to chapter 4, verse 2, and there were a couple of ladies that appeared to have had a conflict. He said, I implore Yodia and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Must not have been a great conflict, but it was something that was probably interfering with their uncommon love and their uncommon labor. It was a sticking point in some way. But he knew they could mend any hurt which existed between them if they grew in the present. They could do that. The church in Philippi was not made up of perfect people. We must not misunderstand this letter saying, well, he didn't really rebuke them in any way. Therefore, those people were sinlessly perfect. That's not true. That's not true. They made mistakes from time to time. And we're not to understand that he was just overlooking a problem or overlooking a sin and turning a blind eye to it. That's not what he was doing. But he was simply encouraging them to continue down their path of righteousness because they were doing the things that God expected them to do. Of course, he would have. He would have rebuked them if it was necessary, but he took an opportunity to help them grow in the present through encouragement, through positive things. You know, I think it is very easy to be negative about our brethren sometimes. I think that's easy. Faithful Christians ought to look for the positive 
in each other. Let's look for the good in each other. Again, we're not going to overlook sin because that's not a demonstration of love. But we need to look for the positive to help build that up. Even in his letter of rebuke to Corinth, and he had some rebuke. He stopped and he pointed out in verse thir- or chapter 13 and reminded them of the characteristics of love. And he taught them the true meaning of love, right? Even if you have to rebuke. And Paul wanted those in Philippi to continue to grow in a positive way. But how does that happen? How do you grow and continue to grow in a positive way? Well, we do that by growing in the grace of God, right? There are certain things we need to add to our lives. And the behavior that that God expects Christians to have toward one another are not founded in the ideals of this world. Oh, no. No. They think, I'm out for myself. That's what the world tells us. No one else is going to take care of you. You better take care of yourself. You know, I disagree with that. I know a whole lot of brethren who would willingly help take care of me and my family. And I'm looking at those who do right now. So I don't believe the world's ideals on looking out for number one because no one else will. Paul explained that very clearly to the Christians in Galatia. Notice Galatians 5, beginning with verse 19. He began saying, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Of which, I tell you beforehand, just as I told told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but... The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law, and those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Paul wanted the brethren to view each other in the light of grace, God's grace. They had given up those things in Galatia. No doubt those in Philippi had given up those same things. They had turned toward God, and they were doing what God expected. There was really no need to, to be harsh with those in Philippi. Did they need to make some amends in some way? Sure they did. But Paul handled them differently, and he did it in a positive manner. God expects us to build godly memories. But again, memories have to be built, right? I think maybe the, the problem with people is we rebuke often in anger. And we need to rebuke in love, right? That's what Paul expected. Again, love never turns a blind eye to sin. But you rebuke in love. And that's what God expects. May we always put forth the greatest of efforts in trying to find the positive and the good in each other. And not always the negative. Paul wanted to send a love letter to Philippi. He wanted to send a letter of appreciation to the Christians in Philippi. He wanted to acknowledge the great things they had done and were doing. 
And his example is a good one to us, one that we ought to follow. That's what he told those in Corinth as well, didn't he? He said, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. 1 Corinthians 11, 1. We can imitate Paul because he was a godly man. We certainly imitate Christ. Priscilla Leonard, the pen name of Emily Perkins, she wrote a poem, and I thought it was wonderful. She said, Forget each kindness that you do as soon as you have done it. Forget the praise that falls to you the moment you have won it. Forget the slander that you hear before you can repeat it. Forget each slight, each spite, each sneer whenever you may meet it. Remember every promise made and keep it to the letter. Remember those who lend you aid and be a grateful debtor. Remember all the happiness that comes your way in living. Forget each worry and distress. Be hopeful and forgiving. Remember good, remember truth. Remember heaven is above you and you will find through age and youth that many will love you. What do we remember today? Blessing of memories. Paul talked about that. I'm so thankful for that passage. And I'm so thankful for this study. I'd never looked at it in that eye before. May the memories of our common salvation and our common service bless us. May the present knowledge of our uncommon love and our uncommon labor encourage us to greater love and labor. And may we continue in our positive growth as we grow in the grace of God, always looking forward to heaven, but always looking back and honoring those in our past, those in our present. And let's be just as positive as we can toward one another. If you've never obeyed the gospel of Christ, You can't make memories in the family of God unless you're first in the family of God. I always say, never take my word for it. Look it up in the Bible. But we look at the plan of salvation and the example set forth to us in the book of Acts and other places. For without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Hebrews 11.10 Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, not by what some man says. Oh, we can listen to what is repeated from the Bible, and we can imitate a godly person and follow their example if it is based in Scripture. But belief is necessary that Jesus Christ is who He said He was. John eight twenty four. Repentance of all past sins. That's what Paul told those on the day of Pentecost. They asked Him in Acts 2, verse 37, Men and brethren, what should we do? He had just preached a sermon about how they had murdered the very Son of God. Verse 38, he said, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You get on down to verse 41, And those who gladly received his word were baptized. We look in other examples of, of the, the book of conversions, the book of Acts. We see that confession is necessary. That's what the Ethiopian eunuch did. He made the statement after uh, Philip had preached to him Jesus. And he came to a water and he said, See, here's water. What hindereth me from being baptized? And Philip said, Thou mayest, if thou believest. And then he made that great and good confession. Acts 8 verse 37, I believe 
Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then we continue to read that account, and they went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and Philip baptized him. And the last thing we hear about the eunuch is he went on his way rejoicing because he had had the burden of sin lifted from his life. And that's what Ananias told a praying, penitent Saul of Tarsus who was still in sin. Though he believed on Jesus, he met him on the road to Damascus. He was uh, sorry for the things he had done. He had been fasting for three days and continually praying. And then the preacher Ananias came to him and taught him the gospel. And he said, Saul, Saul, why tarriest thou? Why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized, washing away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Acts 22, verse 16. And then Paul himself, 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8, talked about fighting the good fight, living a faithful life, and then he could look forward to the crown of life that awaited him. He said, not just me alone, but all those who love His appearing. Talking about those who look forward to Christ coming back. And only the faithful look forward to that. The non-believer doesn't care. Not looking forward, doesn't even believe it. Those who have obeyed the gospel yet have fallen away, like those in Galatia, Galatians 5 verse 4, those who fell from grace, they're not going to look forward to that. The faithful. And that's what it takes, Matthew 10, 22. Endure until the end, and you shall receive a crown of righteousness. If you've obeyed the gospel and you become unfaithful in any way, come back to the Lord today through repentance and confession. 1 John 1 verse 7, James said that, that uh, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And John said that God is faithful to forgive us if we repent and confess. You may have to do that in a public way or maybe privately. That depends on the sin. But if you have need to answer this Lord's invitation at this time, let that be known as we stand and as we sing.